0: Hey, Brett, how's it going this week?
1: Good, Ange. How are you?
0: Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where I talk about all things related to personal finance, and I always ask Brett a really complicated trivia question because if I don't give him enough details, he gets upset, and if I give him too many details, he gets upset.
1: I'm already upset thinking about it.
0: Well, good. So, according to GoBankingRates.com...
1: Oh, I'm there all the time.
0: How much does the average American spend per day?
1: (laughs) According to a random website. Um,
0: And so this, like, uh, I will say it includes not just, like, how much you go out and spend a day, like, on chips or whatever, but, like, if you divided your rent cost by, you know, 30 for the month and portion a, a bit to every day... So, okay. so, factoring in all of your expenses, what does that number look like every single day? Every average, average
1: person, I'd average say... American, which I think is a key like, distinction, like a hundred bucks a day, I think.
0: One hundred and sixty-five dollars a day.
1: Wow, even higher. I thought I was going to be a little high on that. Yeah,
0: which my ma- by my math, that means it's just over sixty thousand dollars a year that people are spending when the median income is fifty thousand. Wow.
1: That's... So now
0: we can see why everybody is in debt.
1: Yeah, according to GoBankingWhatever.com. Yeah,
0: and now, of course, there's probably a little selection bias because GoBankingRates.com, maybe they have, you know, the the cohort that visits their website is the group of people that is potentially checking on banking rates. I don't really know what this website does. I just found this stat kind of out of the blue. Um, So there could be a little bit of selection bias there. Maybe they're really only targeting... Um, you know more middle to higher income people I don't I don't know who filled out this survey but I still think that is a lot of money
1: right and I still agree with the overall whether the numbers are like 100 you know true to average Americans across all of America or whatever their sample size was I still think it's like probably close to that
0: Yeah and so I, at least they, in that direction they actually had a couple categories that they broke out They didn't break out the entire 165 but, Housing was the biggest at $33 a day, so that's looking right at about $1,000 a month, Mm -hmm. which I think, um, you know, there's certain parts of the U.S. that if you thought that you could get housing for $1,000, you'd be super pumped, like in California or New York, Um, and then there's other parts like... You know, Indiana, where I went to college, that a thousand dollars a month would have gotten me like one of the nicest places in town.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so it just that you know that number can vary a lot. Dining out is at about nine dollars a day. Uh, so you know, three hundred bucks a month for the average person you know, right there, that's some money savings. If it's $9 and it's mostly coming from going out to lunch, you could just start packing your lunch. Right? I
1: mean, that seems funny. Uh, a little, maybe even a little low to me because if you're talking about like between coffee and lunch and maybe dinner and maybe a breakfast scone or whatever. Yeah, so I, I'm not know. sure that
0: that includes like coffee or that might just be going out to- Like a restaurant. A meal, like things. a restaurant, okay, yeah. yeah. So entertainment is at eight seventy eight a day. Um, That would be, like, concerts. Maybe that also includes, like, coffee shops. I'm not quite sure, you know, where they chunk that number. Uh, Clothing and apparel is $5 a day. So that's, like, $150 a month that people are spending on clothing and apparel, which seems... Depending
1: on where you shop, that could be just, like, two or three things.
0: Yeah, but... Or the consignment shop that we went to, that was, like, ten things. (laughs) It was.
1: Yeah, the place is amazing. And there's, like, 12 of them here in Chicago. So that's awesome.
0: Uh, Cell phone service was $3 a day. So that's... Ninety dollars a month, so if really you're, high. If oh you're spending God. that much, it's you're probably on one of the big ones like Sprint, Verizon,
1: or or very commonly it includes your payment plan for your, for phone, your phone because so many people have iPhones that have like the the financing or whatever Correct. included into their bill.
0: Yep, and, um, but if it is you know if you do have a high phone bill, I encourage you to explore other options. There's a lot of them out there. I have a referral code for Google Fi on our website. I've used that for almost a year now, and I've had no issues with service. I know a couple of the other ones are Mint Sim is another really good one and Republic Wireless. So if you're paying a lot for your phone and you don't want to be, those are three that you could check out. Uh, The next category here is pets. People are spending about $2 a day on their pets.
1: That's not enough.
0: Um, (laughs) So it's $60 a month, which I think... Depending on the type of pet you have, like if you have a cat, for example, that feels like a lot.
1: Yeah, but it could be it could be pet services. It could be pet. That's food, true. Right, definitely the food is can be pretty expensive. Yeah,
0: and vaccinations. And I know for dogs, like heartworm is really expensive. But I don't. I guess I just don't know if your cat's an indoor cat. I don't think they need to be on you know, the heartworm the same way, but maybe they do. I don't have a cat. Um, You know, and I will say we probably spend close to that on our dog between her like vaccinations and her food and new toys, you know, or whatever else. Yeah,
1: We might be closer to 50 a day. She's ridiculous. (laughs)
0: Um, And then lastly, the last one they have on here is alcohol. People spend about a dollar 50 a day on alcohol. Um, So that's 45, 50 bucks a month, which actually I think, Again, I think there's some people who spend way more than that, and some people who spend way less than that. So yeah, I
1: mean you're hitting a lot of people that probably are in the zero territory, right? Right. You're just off. You're just not even on the on the register. Or I mean that that also comes out to like ten dollars a week. So if you're going out, like on Friday night with a, or after work with a sc- group of coworkers or something, that's one and a half drinks at a lot of places. For yeah. $10, or so. I mean
0: if you're drinking at home, ten dollars du- 10 bucks a week that can just buy you a bottle of wine like one oh, bottle sure. of wine a week which isn't really that crazy in my opinion
1: mm-hmm.
0: um however you know if you're buying aldi or a trader joe you can get like a pretty decent bottle of wine for a few bucks <laughs> uh, two buck chuck you know so <laughs> i i recommend checking that out we actually just last night we went over to a friend's house and he bought like a four dollar bottle of wine from aldi and i thought it was really good i thought
1: it was great yeah yes. so and i'm not a big wine snub so
0: yeah um so anyways, this week, uh kind of I'm not gonna lecture people on all these different expenses. I just thought that was an interesting statistic. But we what we really wanted to talk about is when you start dabbling in a new hobby, how do you go how do you have hobbies without spending tons of money? Because I think it can get to a point where there's like a lot of enthusiasts or people get really into something and it just becomes honestly a huge money pit. So You know, I know one area that I've kind of had direct experience with this is biking and running. So I um, and I still run a decent amount, but I used to run races a lot more, I would do half marathons. And I always thought like, oh, someday I'll do a duathlon or a triathlon. And when I was, and I still might do that someday, but I plan on just using my hybrid bike, knowing that I'm not going to win the race. So I just want to get out there, have a good time, do my personal best. But there's a lot of people that they're, they're not even professional athletes. They're not even going to you know be the number one. But they get so far down this rabbit hole of competing that they're like, well, I can no longer do a triathlon on a you know, $300 to $500 bike. I need to buy a $10,000 bike.
1: Right. And
0: people fall into this trap very quickly and like everyday people fall into this trap Mm -hmm. um so you know i i see people i live in chicago now i'm out on the lakefront trail biking around a decent amount and i see some like really really expensive bikes on an everyday basis so it's not like it's all professional athletes it's like you know and again to each his own but i think how much more value is that $10,000 bike literally that much money, which blows my mind because you could get a car for that compared to even like a $2,000 bike. Like, is it adding?
1: Right. What's the difference in like output of performance between those two? Right. 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 You're getting, you know, shaving a couple minutes or seconds off of your time. Uh, maybe. maybe, right. <laughs> I guess it just moves faster. It's a little bit lighter. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the differences are between those kind of like.
0: And I think this is a really good example where hedonic adaptation comes in. When you first get that new item, you're going to be very happy, but that happiness will wear off very quickly. And then you kind of have to keep spending. So I think this is where people get in a lot of trouble with their hobbies is like, you, nobody ever knows when to say enough is enough.
1: Right. And people constantly try to continue optimizing, right? right? They're just like always looking for like areas to shave off whatever, or, you know, make things a little bit smoother or, you know, how to, how to, if I'm going to keep doing this, I'm going to put everything into it and I'm going to like, you know, do the best that I can. And that usually means sinking a lot more money into upgrades.
0: Right. Um, so I guess I'll kind of go back to speaking as a runner for a little bit. So I used to do races and I will say I always prioritized really good running shoes. So I overpronate, I have flat feet, uh, my life is a disaster. And so I would usually spend about $120 per pair of running shoes. But then one really cool hack that I found was once I knew the running shoe that worked for me, so I'd go to a store and get fitted, when I went to races, there was usually a vendor there that would sell like last season's running shoes Mm -hmm. at half price. So then I just started kind of going out in the spring and being like, what running shoe do I want this year? And then by the fall, I could get them for 50% off. So I'd buy a couple pairs and stock up.
1: Right, and that's a great way to do it. Like you're getting $200 or like $150 running shoes for like 60 bucks, something like that. Yeah. is like what we saw, Um, and I think if you're gonna buy any kind of like upgraded tennis shoes like that anybody should do that right anybody right. can go to those expos or whatever where they have like marathon races and i'm pretty sure you can just walk in and buy stuff
0: yeah i i don't think i ever had to like because it was like big bib pickup so it's not like i had any right type of formal thing to get in like and i, I went with
1: you in. and i was not in the race yeah so yeah
0: um so that that can be a good way to get it and then like i think another big trap, especially for runners or for working out of any kind is like feeling the need to continuously buy new workout clothes. So I feel like that I saw this a lot where it's like, "Oh, I have to get a new outfit for like every race I do." And honestly, I just got to the point where I was like, "I wear the same like 10 things and, you know, like our same five outfits and it's fine and I can do laundry more often." And I still have most of these Outfits because I bought like pretty decent running clothes, I guess. But like 10 years later, I haven't had to replace a lot of my running clothes.
1: Wow, or you could switch the primary, you know, wardrobe that you wear every day to be more running based attire or athletic attire. And
0: but I still don't think you need like a hundred (laughs) shirts,
1: no, right? Because yeah, or a hundred pairs of leggings. Yeah, you still are just going to do laundry once a week and have like a couple, several shirts and several shorts and just have enough to swap in and out but I don't need like 6 months worth of clothes.
0: Right. And then when obviously when pants wear out or a shirt wears out just replace it. But it- you don't need to, like, grow your collection. Just kind of replace it as you need to.
1: Right. If anything, in your closet right now, there's already some stuff that you've not worn ever since you bought it, or at least in years, right? And you really don't like it or don't like how it looks on you. But you just keep holding on to it, because what else are you going to do with it?
0: Brett is speaking from experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, we've downsized our closet, like, five times, I think, in the last three years. And
0: there's still stuff that you haven't worn. There's still stuff that I don't like. Yeah. yeah. Um, So then kind of speaking of a couple personal hobbies that I've picked up recently, and I actually mentioned this on our last podcast, and I was talking about how I wanted to be able to make a good latte at home, and I didn't want to spend $1,000 on an espresso maker. And the way espresso makers work are you can get like a pretty cheap one that's like 25, 30 bucks, but it's not as pressurized as like the kind in coffee shops. And so to get one that's you know, has the 12 bars, you really have to spend like 500 on up dollars. And so I refused to do that. I bought a mocha pot, it worked well. And then I mentioned on the last podcast, I was like, oh, you know, but I keep an eye out on Craigslist. And finally, the espresso gods listened to me. And I scored an espresso maker for like 100 bucks. So I think that's kind of an example of like, this was something that I, I wanted to get into because like, you know pulling a good shot of espresso is kind of like a skill that you can develop like it's not it's not like a mr coffee where you just turn it on and it like does its thing it's like a different
1: process right you have to like turn a dial at the right time and if you wait too long then you have a mess on your counter yeah it's that level of so that's that's your barista hobbying
0: uh well yeah so i mean it's it's kind of a hobby it's kind of a fun thing and I can make drinks at home now, but instead of like going out and buying this machine that I wanted it I literally waited it's been four years since my last one broke until I found the right deal um, and in the meantime I just made do
1: right and we are we had determined like we're not getting this thing and like less it's in this price range and it just so happens that we got lucky and found it eventually. We were patient, I guess. It was more right. more accurate. Not yeah. as much luck, but patience.
0: Patience is a virtue in a, in many, many aspects in life, and it's something that I have had to learn because I'm historically not a patient person at all. Right,
1: and she, Angela did a good job with this because you know I've been hearing about this espresso maker for six months now. Oh, you know I think it'd be really great. I think here are all the benefits and here's all the cost savings it's gonna have. I'm gonna use way less coffee, and even with the mocha pot, I use more gra- coffee grounds, and so like the you know the cost per per cup of coffee or whatever is gonna be way less. And you know all this stuff over and over and over <laughs> again. So finally, we it, we lucked into it.
0: It finally panned out. Um, so the other hobby we've been pretty into lately is creating our own videos. So we've been recording cooking videos and you know tossing them up on YouTube. But we basically just started with the equipment that we have. So because we used to do a lot more with real estate, we had a nicer camera. And so we just – we didn't buy a new lens. We were like, how can we make this lens work for this space? And we just kind of messed with the settings. And then we had a smaller camera that we primarily use for traveling that we can, like, set up as B-roll. But instead of, like – you know, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I need – higher quality content, and I'm just going to go out and buy a new camera, and we were like, well, let's just get started with this project, see if we even enjoy doing it, see how much we like it, use the equipment we have, and then over time, if we're like, oh, there's some glaring problems in our setup, we will slowly upgrade equipment as we need to.
1: Right, because all audio, video equipment is like still pretty expensive. I mean, we've talked about, we use a Yeti microphone for this podcast that's a pretty good price it's like you can get it for usually like under 100 bucks um for like a really really good quality microphone like out the door that's like super easy to plug and play um that's very very novice friendly um the camera that we got uh, like years ago right i got it for a christmas present i think years ago because i found like this crazy hack deal on this website where i got it for like 300 less than what it should have been on sale because they programmed something wrong on the website so it was like Really awesome buy, um, but it was one of like the DSLR kit packages that come with like a you know a regular zoom lens and like a longer zoom lens. You see them at like Sam's Club and Costco all the time, right? They're always sitting around, so it's very very common to buy that way. A lot of people have those now, um, but those lenses that come with that camera kind of suck. Uh, so yeah, you get the lenses. So we got one extra lens for our photography for the real estate. And which was like a wide angle lens uh, that was really well reviewed. Again, very inexpensive. It was a great budget lens. You know, we did our research into that. And so now we're just gonna use that, right? So there are like really good lenses that are like hundreds and hundreds of dollars that probably would make the shots look a a little bit better. But I don't know that that's like the most important thing to focus on because we just got started with this. Does our audio suck? Can we just tweak some settings um, on the camera itself while we're recording stuff? Can we change stuff in the software? And we use a free software called DaVinci for all of our video recording, um, which is professional grade software, which is free for some reason. We don't know why. Um, Yeah. But but it is and not just illegally downloaded. Um, But, right, I mean, they make like AAA movies and stuff with with that software. They just pay for the premium version. Um, So, right. You don't know what you don't know, so don't just, like, dive in and spend a ton of money getting trying to get, like, the best stuff right off the gate, and then just, like, think magically it's all going to work. Because maybe at the end of the day, you still don't know how to configure any of that stuff.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, whether I have the camera that we got, you know, as a package deal, or I had a $10,000 camera, I'm not going to know all the settings. So until I, like, master the camera I have, and I'm like, oh, here's a glaring hole that I can't fix with this camera because, you know, of this limitation, then that that means that I, I can't just decide that I need something better if right. I don't know how to use the tools that I have.
1: Right, because then you can't properly evaluate right. how to make that improvement adjustment, right, yeah. which is true of a lot of areas in life, whether you're changing goals or changing careers or you know, having family issues. Like, you don't, if you can't identify what the problem is accurately, then you can't solve the problem. right.
0: right. And as Biggie would say, if you don't know, now you know. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um, Okay, Brett, so can you think of any hobbies you have that you've kind of been able to dabble in without going overboard? So one area I can think of is a few months ago, you decided you wanted to get into game design. And instead of like registering for classes that were expensive or getting software that was expensive, you found free software and you found like a, you know, free YouTube tutorial.
1: Yeah, and there's, I've I found one of like hundreds and hundreds or thousands of tutorials out there, right? Of like somebody like decided to make a game. They decided to say, I'm going to put this up on YouTube and like teach people how I did this thing and walk through their process. And they usually give you like the files to download and stuff like right in the link description for the videos. So you can like follow along with it. And it's a great way. It's a great learning tool that's totally free. And that's one example. I, even for my career, like, learning things in that medium on youtube where people are like putting stuff up in real time for like the latest and greatest updates and changes including because i work for a company that's owned by microsoft including microsoft stuff they're putting their stuff on youtube and like here's the latest and greatest here's the june updates for whatever right um and it's a great way to consume what those changes are very rapidly and be able to like stay up to date and you know keep track of those things without having to read like 100 blog articles and like beyond all these different forums of all these people troubleshooting stuff. Uh, Right, if you're gonna get like way into the weeds, then you're gonna do that also. But if you're just picking up a hobby, um, whether it be game design or something digital or something totally analog, um, like woodworking, or uh, there's like, yeah, there's so many great, um, you know, kind of woodworking and uh, craftsmen and table design and furniture building tutorials out on YouTube that are really well put together. then just pick those up and they're really interesting to watch anyway and they just give people a lot of good ideas.
0: Yeah well I think you know woodworking is another good one where it's like if you're going to start with that there might be all these tools that they're like oh you should have this and this and tools can be really expensive but you know Brett actually used to build more stuff for us when we had a house because we had a garage that he could be out in and I mean you didn't you didn't have a table saw. That was probably a big. Uh...
1: You usually that's the number one recommended first big purchase is like a table saw, right? right? And then you can grow from there if you're going to get like way into the hobby. But right. but
0: you like may
1: do. No, yeah, you can do. It. You can still do. You can do anything with hand tools, right? Right. Uh, so you can you can accomplish whatever your goals is with that. It just may not be the most efficient way possible, and the end result may like look a little bit different, right, or totally different, and have its own style, which is good and bad. Um, hopefully more good but right but yeah with like I just like a you know cheap like hand saw or 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 you know rotary saw that's handheld rather than like a fixed table saw you can still like cut down boards and trim anything to whatever length you need to or most of the time we got like stuff cut at home depot and it was like pretty close but they're usually not that accurate um, but you know You just make deal with what you have in that case. Yeah. And if you like absolutely can't do that one thing, then you look at evaluating like, okay, how do I do that? And is buying a new thing from Home Depot, a new tool from Home Depot, the right choice or is getting it online or getting it on Craigslist that's like used a better choice? Right. Because like a million people have had these tools and they haven't really changed in that, you know, that long of a history. So go pick up that instead.
0: Or do you have a friend that has one? Right. And maybe you can just borrow it. Yeah, or
1: neighbors, right? Yeah, like a lot of, you know, if you live in a community or a subdivision, uh, a lot of times, you know, I don't care if people came over and, like, borrowed my stuff for the afternoon or something and then brought it back.
0: Yeah, we actually actively encouraged that with all of our old neighbors because we were like, yeah, we have, you know, these hedge trimmers that we use once a year. In other (laughs) words, they just sit in our garage, so please use them.
1: Yeah, Yeah, our neighbor came over and borrowed those for the afternoon and, like... Down all of her, you know, trimmed up all of her trees and all of her bushes and like trimmed down like the flower beds and stuff, whatever she was doing, just hacking everything in her backyard. And it took an afternoon, but you only need to do that once a year, right? And so we just have this tool that like makes it super efficient once a year. And right, I don't care if she uses it, it's not costing me anything for that, right? And we
0: shouldn't both buy one,
1: right? Because that's ridiculous. Everybody just trying to live in a silo nowadays, right?
0: Um, okay, so we kind of talked about. Oh, the the other thing I was going to mention is, so I got into, I got back into like crafting earlier this year. So Mm -hmm. I crochet and I knit. And I think that's a hobby that would be very easy to spend a lot of money on and like always getting new yarns and and fancy yarns. And I think for me, I would buy, so I found some really good deals. And if I found a good deal, I'd kind of stock up and think, okay, what are the next couple projects that I want to make? Um, But also like my first few projects when I hadn't picked up a crochet hook, you know, in 10 years and I was like, I'm going to do this again, I didn't want to start with expensive yarn because like if I screwed it up, I wanted it to be cheap yarn. And so I think you know, especially if you're getting started with crafting, you don't have to go buy the most expensive tools and most expensive products. So you know, you can get a crochet hook for like a couple bucks, and it's not going to be you know the fancy one with the ergonomic handle. <laughs> it's going to be like the metal hook. Um, but you can find pretty cheap yarn as well, and that's a good place to start because then you know when you're just practicing your your stitches, you don't necessarily want to be doing that with expensive yarn.
1: Yeah, and the the benefit of knowing what the bad yarn does and acts like and feels like, right, and what, you, what the end result is before you move on to the good yarn give, t- gives you more valuable information than if you just, like, only ever used, like, the premium quality, mo- most expensive stuff, right? Yeah. It's not always just, like, there's expensive and not expensive, and the not expensive stuff is bad. It's just for a different purpose, normally.
0: Right. Well, there's just so much different yarn out there.
1: Right. And a lot of the times, whatever the really good stuff is that you should be buying for the right value is probably not even in the store, right? <laughs> like, yeah. A lot of the times we found, like, the right supplier is is an online, like, niche kind of a place. Well,
0: or, like, local yarn stores you sure. know so yeah. that's a local yarn stores will just carry very different product than like your local michaels or joanne mm-hmm. you know and so uh that doesn't mean you can't get good yarn at any of those places you can but it's just know what you're looking for and i think what i really had to kind of learn is depending on what project i'm doing know what type of material i'm looking for right so mm-hmm. do i want cotton do i want you know tencel? well you know what am i what am i looking for and that's going to help narrow down my selection
1: right and you're not going to know that the first time you try to pick something up in the store absolutely not right there's no way because if you tried to figure that out beforehand you would never get started right (laughs) because it would be like i don't know what the right answer is and everybody's really ambiguous about when to use what
0: yeah and i think that's really kind of maybe the right answer is if you're looking at doing starting any new hobby and you're really interested in something just get started just get started tomorrow, like in any way that you can. You probably don't need super expensive tools. You probably don't need you know, to spend a ton of time trying to figure out how you're going to best execute this. Is Just dive in head first because the best way to learn is by doing. And once you start doing, you'll realize, you know, after I started crocheting again, Um, I was like, okay, I have this one hook that my grandma gave me years ago, and I'm going to need a couple different size hooks for different projects. And then I was able to check in the store and be like, wow, you know, each hook is going to be a couple bucks, and I want, you know, a handful of them. And I was like, oh, or I found this, like, complete hook set for, like, you know, 10 bucks, and it has all the hooks that I could ever imagine, plus, you know, all this other other stuff with it. So Mm. I think once you kind of get down the road of, like, okay, I have a need for this new tool, whether it's like a physical tool, if you're doing woodworking or, you know, just a tool to do your job, then you can diagnose what the right answer is to plug in. But I think a lot of times it doesn't need to be the most expensive answer. So, uh, you know, actually a really good example is this podcast. So I think our longer term listeners will remember that when we moved to Florida, we had some sound issues because... That apartment was not well insulated, and the people next door always liked to throw good rager parties when we were <laughs> recording our episodes. And instead of trying to buy better mics or get little lapels so that it was, you know, noise dampening, we found out that we could go to our library down there and sit in a free sound booth. And that solved our, you know, issues with the sound quality. And so we're still able to use this $100 Yeti mic without having to get these, expensive you know attachments or
1: right like getting other like yeah lapel mics that are more sound dampening for like another hundred bucks a piece right for, right one for each of us like so yeah just get yeah, audio equipment just gets really expensive really fast if you try and get like more professional but the, the the library is another awesome example right and there's so many things and so many programs and so many different special groups that you can join or be a part of i took like a game design class in the library like before i like started learning stuff on my own kind of um on youtube i just took like a class at the library and they were teaching like three-dimensional game design uh using unity and right it was just kind of like a quick crash course of like hey we're going to show you this we're going to walk through this it was like a couple weeks one hour a piece like every thursday for three weeks or something like that so it really like a three-hour course and it was free right they just do free stuff like that all the time or they have uh like usually makerspaces at the library that we were at in Orlando, they had a big like CNC machine. They had a 3D printer that was a massive 3D printer. They had a laser cutter. They, had, they really had to like decked out their like technology center. And right, that may not, tr- not be true of everywhere or certainly every library, but a lot of makerspaces in most cities um, are always welcoming new people. And they wanna have like new people with different projects come in and like work on different equipment. And they're there to help people out and help them learn how to use those skills.
0: Well, yeah, and I think you hit on a good point. Like, libraries just offer a lot of resources and classes, and even in terms of if you want to learn a new language, um, you know, a lot of libraries partner with Mango Language, which is a free app for your phone that I've used in the past. And, you know, it's, I think it's a pretty good app. I think it's a pretty good way to learn a language. And if you log in with your library account, it's free. You know, there's no subscription fee or anything like that. But that's not just, a language app there's like also digital media apps that are free if you log in with your library account not to mention so you know down in florida we had access to this great you know it space but in chicago and I, you know all libraries are different but they all have similar programs we can actually get into museums here for free if we just go to our local branch and we check out the pass for the day So we can go to like the Museum of Science and Industry or the Art Institute or all these great places. And, you know, they're their day passes or a couple day passes, so you have to get it and then return it, you know, pretty quickly. But what a great way to go to these, you know, places that otherwise charge, you know, twenty buck admission fee or something.
1: Right. Which, I mean, they're museums, so, you know, paying for museums is never, like, a bad thing either, because you're helping support them regardless. Right. But, right, taking advantage of... We're in the business of retiring early and, you know, optimizing our money and strategy spending, so um, we'll leave the philanthropy uh, charity giving side of the equation okay. off right well, now. Well,
0: and I will say, just by supporting your local library, I mean, they... have they fund these partnerships. Right. So it's not like you're just, like, taking advantage of the museum and sneaking in the back door. Like, <laughs> you're going in with a partnership that's, like, well-formed. And, you know, by supporting your local library, you are a taxpayer, so your dollars are going there. But honestly, just by frequenting your library and checking out books and checking out these passes, you're proving that this is still a valuable public resource. Because, like, a lot of people are – are trying to pull funding from libraries, which is horrible. And so when I ask my friends who are library, librarians, what can I do, they simply tell me the best thing you can do is keep going to your library. So I, I don't feel guilty, like, if you check out these passes <laughs> to go to the museum. Like, if you want to support the museum, that's great. You can always make a donation as well. But, um, you know, you, you don't have to feel guilty about using these programs. Yeah, which either.
1: is Which is really awesome because I'm seeing more culturally now that there's a big resurgence with libraries coming back again for like the last decade at least i never heard of anybody ever going to the library and now i hear people talking about it quite frequently um either online or whatever right like not just like people that are on the street with me but like you know just you know popular personalities and stuff like that too everybody's like more referring to their usage of library systems
0: which is awesome
1: yeah which is great keep it up and if you're not using your own local library system go get a card and just go see what they have to offer because usually just by having a card number you can access a ton of stuff on their website alone for free from all the partner affiliates i know that one of them out here partners with like hulu and like you know so if you just want to like stop paying for like some streaming services and get a bunch of free streaming services for free just check it out
0: yeah right. they might have it yeah so all right well are there any kind of parting thoughts that you want to leave people with in terms of hobbies or dipping your toe in the water?
1: I think a lot of people think of hobbies as, you know, more like sports activities, or I'm going to go play tennis, or I'm going to go maybe work out as a hobby. And right, all of those things, like working out, everybody can say that you can work out for free. You don't have to join a gym, right? You can go running on your own. You can, you know, find workout equipment, um, you know, in different like public areas, like at least by us. Uh, Currently, there's like just, like, workout equipment on the side of the running trail, which is, <laughs> yeah. like, really nice. Obviously, that's not true everywhere, uh, but it's becoming more popular to be, kind of, kind of have a model like that. Um, I think that sports and other activities, you can join local groups, and you don't have to, like, join teams. You don't have to do, like, team sports where you have to pay, like, a couple hundred bucks a year. You can just, like, join, like, a meet meet meetup meet group or an, you know, event break type of a group. Or a Facebook group and just find people that want to like go play soccer in the park or you know go play flag football or go play this weird game where you like stand in a circle and throw sheeps at each other and try somebody's <laughs> oh, that got game a, is great. Somebody's got like a bow and arrow on the outside that's made of nerf and they like try and hit people and yeah, yeah, very strange game but very, very entertaining to watch. Um, right, just like imaginative stuff like that. I've seen and know people that play, like, uh, like board game groups and stuff, that people just want to get together and hang out and, like, play games. And, like, so they're always looking for to, like, teach people how to play these new games and new activities. I know there's I saw, like, an event post the other day that some guy was like, hey, I have this, like, really awesome, like, Dungeons & Dragons, like, digital table set up, and, like, looking for more people to, like, play. And I was like, I don't know anything about Dungeons & Dragons, but that'd be, like, probably... A cool way to like dip your toe in the water, if you're gonna try something new, right? Because yeah. you don't know whether you, you don't know whether you're gonna like it or not. But um, probably you will if you give it a try. If I had to guess. So I, I mean, there's just all kinds of opportunities, and people just wanna hang out. I think, especially in our age demographic.
0: Yeah, I saw something uh, online that said 25% of millennials said that they have no friends, which is really <laughs> sad. And I think um, you know, it, it's just a good example of like so. I remember, you know, I again, I used to run a lot. I still run a little bit, but um, I used to have a running group, and it was free. And I just met up with a couple girls every week, and we ran. And then when I moved to Florida, I was going to join one, and like it was just like through, you know, through a meetup or something, but or through Facebook. It was through Facebook, and they were like, "Oh yeah, if you want to come run with us, you have to pay like a hundred dollars a year or something." And I was just like, "What? Like, why can't I just..." show up to the park and run with you like and it's not like you know there's some here that it's because they're doing it's like a you know like fleet feet or something they're setting up you know hydration stations along all of lakefront trail right so maybe you have to pay to like be part of that but it wasn't even like that it was like you know a couple women planning this event so just to kind of piggyback on what Brett said like if you're looking to get involved with any sports whether it's running or tennis or whatever um don't feel like you have to pay to join a group you can always find people who will go with you for free just by like Putting yourself out there and being like, okay, if, you know, this group is doing one and they're charging money, then I'll just start a free one and see, like, who wants to come run with me because I don't charge you $100
1: a year. <laughs> I don't think I'm,
0: like, that entertaining to run with, I guess. Well, <laughs>
1: right, and what is that money going toward, right? right. So if, yeah, Right, if it's going to this big, like, institutional thing and it's all set up and, like, they're funding a lot of stuff, then maybe you want to be part of that, maybe you don't. But if it's going to, like, a,
0: somebody who's like, well, I create the event so I deserve to have money – Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't
1: think so. Right,
0: yeah. You're a volunteer.
1: Yeah, because you saw, you were in a book club, I think, that was like, or you saw a book club that was like trying to do that exact same thing. Yeah. It was like the girl like wanted to get paid for like organizing and coordinating the book club meetups and stuff.
0: Right. And like now I am organizing and coordinating a book club. And I guess I just take it as like I signed up for this. Like, right. nobody needs to pay me to do this. It's I'm gonna, not a job. I'm going to
1: put, like, 20 minutes of brainpower into this activity. A month, and yeah. And I'm not going to ask people to pay me, like, 20 bucks. Yeah. Right. So,
0: you know, I, I think just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, just know that if there's something you're interested in, there's probably a cheaper way to do it if right. you are if you think that the only way to do it is to pay to play.
1: Or if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this podcast and you suddenly realize that you can create these events and charge money for them and there's a lot of people that will join up anyway, then there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah but don't do that don't be that
0: person (laughs) uh all right guys well thanks for tuning in this week if you have any hobbies that you're into that you are like oh no you know this is one where i definitely have to spend money on it feel free to email me i'd be interested in like hearing what it is that you're into and and how much it costs or i guess that would be interesting and if you have any questions about any other financial topics Of course, feel free to email me as well. I will drop all of my contact information in and I do love hearing from you guys and answering your questions. So thanks so much to everyone who has been submitting emails lately. All right, bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you.
1: Money in the Bank.